and welcome to another episode of In the Ring with Acacia Pamont. This program is brought to you by Keeneland. Your next opportunity at the World's Marketplace is the January Horses of All Ages sale beginning on Monday, January 9th. Keeneland just wrapped up a very busy season and we will recap some of that today. I'm looking forward to uh, looking back on the November sales that took place at Keeneland. Of course, the Breeders' Cup was at Keeneland and Lexington this year. Um, So the, the team at Keeneland has had a very busy few months, of course, after the September yearling sale as well. So definitely do some of that recapping this afternoon and also focusing on some of the great storylines still from the Breeders' Cup too. Glad to have you along for the ride on this edition of In the Ring. So we'll get right to it. I'm so happy to be joined by Keeneland's Tony Lacey to help me recap all of the exciting action that's been going on at Keeneland lately. Um, Tony, ha- have you gotten a chance to kind of take a deep breath yet between the Breeders' Cup and the November sales? There's been a lot going on. Uh, thanks, Acacia, and thanks for having me on. Uh, actually, it's been it's been all full systems go since early September with uh it's rolled into the race meet and obviously breeders cup and then november sales so it's really today's the first day uh that we've all had a chance to just sit back and take a deep breath and it has been a hectic a hectic few months to say the least but it's been really rewarding I can imagine. I appreciate you um, spending some of your first off day with me here. Um, First, before we recap, um, in particular, the November sale, I want to talk about having the Breeders' Cup back at Keeneland. Um, I thought that Keeneland did a terrific job when it was there a couple years ago. And unfortunately, in 2020, with the pandemic, we didn't really get the true Breeders' Cup feel. And I think it was really special to have it back this year. Well, it was fantastic to see so many uh, sort of old friends, uh, again, from the international uh, uh, international uh, perspective. Uh, we had a great level of domestic, uh, you know, involvement as well. Incredible racing. I think we we were all all excited about the potential for what it could be, and it lived up and probably exceeded ex- expectations. Uh, the weather was fantastic. Again, great crowds, great racing, and uh, yeah, could not have been better. With having the Breeders' Cup at Keeneland and then having the Keeneland November sale immediately following, can you talk a little bit about how that aids the sale with everyone really just being right there and you just come right back over to Keeneland um, right after and you get a chance to see some of the, the big horses or pedigrees associated with the Breeders' Cup going through the sales ring? Well, it's extremely important to us at Keeneland because what we do is is to is for the betterment of the of the industry. Everything we do is is to uh, do it for the for the for the better for increasing the profile and and uh, for breeders and also our racing clients as well. So this this lend one one lend perfectly into the into the next. Uh, just being able to host such a diverse group of people, both domestic and international, and then they comp- they were they were active at the sale as well uh it was it was it was wonderful i think it was very important that we did it uh it so closely together i think it, it worked extremely well there was a great energy for from the very first uh day of the sale and it it was uh especially when we're taking a classic the, the breeder's cup classic winner and selling a, a fractional interest in him as as the first lot through the ring i think everything was Everything just came together beautifully. 
I'm glad you brought that up because I did want to ask about um, selling the fractional interest of Flightline, of course. Um, can you tell me a little bit about where the genesis of that came from? And obviously there was a very strong response. Well, it was, it was something, it was, the, every, the stars stars aligned to use an old analogy. Um, we had sat down with Cornet, the advertising agency in Lexington, um, as well with, as also with Bill Farish of Lane's End. And we're trying to find a way of, you know, finding, ex, expanding our boundaries, finding mm -hmm. new ways to ex, reach out to a new audience. And again, the metaverse was in our, in our sort of thought process of a, an interesting new way. Not that I was completely familiar with every aspect of it, but you watch the NFL and NBA use it as a, as a fan outreach. And we were looking at it as a, as an experiment. Um, then when we say, well, it'd be great if we could do a sort of a speciality sale of a, of, of a horse, uh, that could be featured on the metaverse and with, with, without, hesitation and bill said well, what about a share a part of flight line yeah. and uh this was before the pacific classic and well before it so it's an, it was flight line was still is, is uh, was one of the most sensational horses we've seen in a long time at that point but for everything to come together right afterwards him to be so exceptional in california and then come to lexington and um and just just being so impressive in the classic uh, it it was just it it was a culmination of of fortune, but also a lot of effort. It was a huge push on our legal department, as well as our marketing and and also Cornet, to to pull this together. So it was it was fan, fantastic to be a part of it. I mean, the energy in the pavilion on 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 Monday, the first day for that for that uh, sale was. I think everybody was in awe and just got a got a high off it, and it's something we want to try and keep pushing the boundaries as Keeneland. Um, and it makes it, it makes it, it makes it fun. Absolutely. And, and I think it's really, really cool. It was, it was very fun to follow, you know, as a fan as well, of course, a, a sensational horse and, um, having kind of a new concept coming into the world of the sales. And I think that, um, something that this team with Keeneland, uh, you and I got a chance to, to catch up, uh, I guess it's been about a year ago now, um, in leading into the Breeders' Cup, but you were talking specifically about your team with Keeneland and wanting to grow the product. And it's something you mentioned at the start that it's for the great. Of, of the industry in general. Uh, can you expound a little bit about some of the ideas and some of the ways that Keeneland in the sales arena in particular is trying to push those boundaries to make the industry better? Well, it's, again, we, I, I feel very uncomfortable with the status quo. Uh, mm -hmm. I, I think we've always got to be innovative. If we're not evolving, we're, we're, we're failing. Uh, and that's, that's something I think is is like in any business. You've got to challenge yourself. You're going to make a few a few little mistakes here and there, but you learn from them. Um, I think in this industry, we've got to be very aware of the fact that we we're an in, we're a sport. We're an industry that is is very global. It it um, we've we've got to be finding we've got to find new ways of of reaching to a new fan base for for not just a racing product, but to bring new people into the breeding sector as well. Um, it's important for us that the that the fold crop around not just in not just in Kentucky but around the country um, is increasing to be healthy, and um, so this this is a mission as a, as a team that we come together and just challenge our, our ourselves. As I say, we've got a lot of very very talented uh, professionals in 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 our organization, 
And we try to use every tool that we've got in the box and bring it together and communication internally and externally is, is, uh, is how we grow. And I think it's those challenges and, and we're having fun doing it. And I think that's what makes it so much so rewarding where we're seeing so many people come together and do things uh, to, to a very high standard um, and, and be succeeding at it makes it all very worthwhile. Of course, right after the Breeders' Cup, uh, after the flight line share, as always, the November breeding stock sale is one that everyone looks forward to and getting a chance to see some really talented race mares go through um, the ring and, and potentially on to uh, their next career um, as as uh, as brood mares. And as always, a strong sale right off the bat. Um, can you tell us a little bit about some of the things that that your team saw throughout the beginning of that November breeding stock sale? Well, what we saw, obviously, quality was uh, extremely popular. It was bringing a premium. Uh, our clients came in, you know, our buying clients came into it with, with a little bit of a high off the Breeders' Cup. We had a huge presence uh, from, from our Japanese uh, customers as well as some of our our domestic uh, clients as well. And what was great to see is that you had uh, established and young farms uh, investing in the future. And I think that's where, you know, it's it's really encouraging when you see the demand for young breeding stock and proven breeding stock being so high. And uh, it just gives us an encouraging feel that, you know, the, there is a lot of optimism. And you could see that from the September market as we were uh, just gaining, seeing a lot of gains uh, from from new investors as well as ex established established people as well. So it's it's continuing into the into the uh, into the November market, and I think it was really encouraging to see the likes of Midnight Bizoo selling for more now than she did uh, two or three years ago, as well as Shamrock Rose and bringing the uh, Philly like world class Philly like uh, Dream Loper multiple group one winner in Europe this year. And it was really exciting to have the opportunity to sell her and she bringing $2.7 million uh, made the owners and connections extremely proud and happy that that came together uh, probably as well if not and exceeded their expectations, expectations actually. So it was, a, it was very fulfilling. And I think we've, uh, we, we're, we're, it just makes us excited about what we can build in the future. We've come to know what to expect with the Keeneland November breeding stock sale and, and all of those big names going through the ring. Uh, and as if, if your team wasn't busy enough, we, we just concluded the Keeneland November um, Horses of Racing Age sale. And what a strong start to that sale. It was fantastic. And it's a segment of the market that we've, uh, last year we we had taken that uh, that group of horses out of the middle of the body of the mm -hmm. sale because having an, an April an August 1st deadline for racehorses was impractical and it also displaced a lot of quality uh, breeding stock back a day or two in the in the catalog so it became it became uh, far more feasible to break it out as its own section its own sale so to speak and putting it at the end when it can expand and be very dynamic it can live on, on online as well as having a ca printed catalog, but the online uh, portion uh, just allowed it for us to update the, the speed figures, all the data, every, every, all the PPs and work workouts that, that give, gave our buyers uh, the information that they need to make a, a, an informed decision. 
And I think, you know, the demand, as, you're, as, as you and your family will have seen, that the demand for quality racing stock is probably higher than it's ever been. Mm-hmm. And there is a huge demand for this um, for this type of sale. And we, we, we will repeat it again in, in, August, or in April after, uh, after the last race on the last day. That proved to be very successful. And, you know, it's, it's, it's definitely a growing market and it's one that sort of the fact that we are racing a racetrack and a, and a sale company, one lends very, very well with the other. I do think it's such an interesting point. Like you said, kind of making it its own entity with this horses of racing age sale this time of year, you feel like it's a lot of, um, connections restocking for the coming months and for the start of the next year since some two-year-olds that sold very very well china horse club in particular very active at the sale and and it does feel like it's a nice opportunity for maybe horsemen to point to to kind of restock and and know where their stable stands at this time of the year absolutely because there's a lot of large entities that have a an excessive stock that they probably doesn't fit their program at Mm -hmm. this time of the year and it's as they plan to move their stock into the southern southern uh, jurisdictions. Some of these don't fit their programs, but they fit beautifully into somebody else's uh, needs uh, for for all the different jurisdictions that that have a lot of programs for 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 all these all these horses with with uh, conditions left. And that's where you saw a very very active buying pool and and uh, thanks to our our sellers because they brought a beautiful group of horses to to the to the sale and brought and i think the the um the buyers responded uh, as uh very aggressively so it was it was great and a completely different in many ways mm-hmm. demographic when it, in that sale environment it was very obvious when we looked at it and it was important that we uh fulfill their needs in a in a uh in a in a condensed and well packaged group of mm-hmm. uh, uh catalog i should say Finally, closing out uh, the busiest season, you had mentioned to me, too, that there was also an art sale going on at Keeneland. Um, how was that? It was great. That We finished up on just before nine o'clock last night. It was uh, almost 200 lots. Uh, it was everything from $1,000 or $500 pieces of art right up to uh, Munnings that was uh, hammered at $2.65 million. Um, but it's it was quite a few beautiful pieces in there and we had we had buyers from all over from not all all over the u.s but buyers from the region as well and actually i was on the phone to somebody that i was on the phone to taking bids from was from the uk <laughs> uh so it's 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 growing in status as well crossgate gallery do a beautiful job mm-hmm. uh bringing a, a, an excellent consignment of, of pieces together and and uh, it was very successful it was a completely new group of people that came to the came to the auction last night and everybody was having fun it was it was great to a great way to round up the uh the sale year and the next time we will see horses go through the ring at Keeneland will be the January sale. Um, the cold weather, of course, but always a strong sale, always one that consigners and buyers alike always point to. They do. And I think if what you found is that a lot of the of the uh, weanling pinhookers were that they were finding it difficult to buy enough horses for their requirements. And, and again, also for quality broodmares and broodmare prospects. So it'll the demand will push into January. We've almost 1,600 horses already over four days from the 9th to the 12th, 12th of January. So it's always a, 
an excellent opportunity for people. Again, it's the new year, new tax year, and it's close to the breeding season. So uh, within, a, within a couple of months, some of these mares will be falling and, or could be bred. So it's, it's, it's a, it's a, I love that sale, even though the weather can be a little inclement, inclement but mm-hmm. in saying that, it, it's, uh, it's, it's a very competitive environment as well. Always a sale that I find you can find uh, some very good value and some strong horses as well. Looking forward to the January sale. Um, Tony, hope that you have a, a very well-deserved little bit of a break. Big congratulations to you and the entire team on such, such a successful fall at Keeneland. Thanks so much, Acacia. It was a pleasure. One of the most fun stories to follow throughout this year's Breeders' Cup was the Pennsylvania-bred Caravel beating the boys in the Breeders' Cup turf sprint. And I'm so excited to be trained be joined by her former trainer and her breeder, Lizzie Merriman, here with me today. Lizzie, thank you so much for joining me. Um, first of all, what were your emotions like at the Breeders' Cup this year? Um, well, Going into it, I was really excited to see her run because I felt like Brad had her in like tip top shape. Like she was doing so well. She looked fantastic. It seemed like from the videos and pictures, she was really training well. I had actually visited her right before she won at Keeneland um, a few weeks before that. And I just, I couldn't believe how much better she looked since the summer. And I just was really, really excited to see her. I thought, oh, this race is gonna be so tough and it's just so such a deep field all the way through, but I'm just so excited to see her run when she's really peaking and doing her best. So that's sort of how I went into it, but I, I did not <laughs> expect her to beat all those horses. <laughs> I think, of course, you know, the race changed when they opened the gate. Golden Pal didn't get the lead and she did. But one thing we've noticed about her um, over the years is she really is a fighter. And and I'm sure, you know, of course, she was sold. Um, You started out with training her, but still being able to be part of the team as her breeder and following her success. It's kind of the ups and downs of the game. Right. And getting a chance to see her on the biggest stage. But I'm sure it's such a sense of pride that you were the one that really started the ball rolling with her. Yeah, definitely. And um, her current owner group is so, so nice to me and inclusive. And it's just fun to sort of be on the periphery, but be a part of it still. I want to go back to the beginning. Uh, she's by Ms. and Mass out of a mare named ZZ Zoom Zoom. Um, can you tell us how it all came together? Yeah, it, it's one of those just weird stroke of lightning luck lottery. I don't know what situations where, you know, I mean, when you have horses and you breed and you train and you own, people offer you horses all the time that they don't have they don't want or whatever and 99.9 percent of the time I'm always like no thanks I'm good thanks a lot you know um but I had a girl that used to work for me a few years back quite a few years now Kim Brett and um she and I became good friends and I just so respected her horsemanship she just has an eye and a feel for a horse like like I feel like not too many other people have 
And over the years, she'd always said, what about this horse I came across? You know, it's for sale or whatever. And I would be like, oh no, I'm, you know, I don't have the money. I don't have the room, whatever. And then I'd watch the horse go on and do really well. Mm-hmm. So she called me, she was a vet tech in Florida at the time. And she called me and she said, you know, this lady, Amy Turant has this filly that got injured. They don't want to bring her back. They are looking for a good home for her, either as a broodmare or riding horse or whatever. And for some reason, I just feel like she'll make you a really good broodmare. Do you want to take a look? So I looked at the pedigree and her pictures and stuff. And I thought about it and I said, you know what? Yeah, I'll take her. So I hadn't seen her anything. And I sent her to Kentucky to my cousin and booked her to Mizzenmast. And that's how it came about. What, what, what was the decision besides uh, sending her to, to Mizzenmast? Um, I felt like she was, by, she is by congrats. She's mm-hmm. you know, very much sort of a dirt sire, but still she was only successful on turf and her, her dam was a very nice turf mare. Mm-hmm. And so I felt like the the turf in her family was coming through very strong and that maybe the congrats just sort of watered it down a little bit. Yeah, I would revert back to a, a turf sire. And also I kind of believe in a first year mare breeding them to something proven and mizzen mass is as hard knocking and value a sire at the time as you could find. Plus, you know, they run on dirt and turf, but they do really excel on turf and so I just, I thought it might be a reasonable price, good, solid stallion to start a young mare out at. And then you've got Caravelle. She wins first time out and she really blossomed. Um, we saw her winning three stakes in a row, graded stakes at Saratoga for you as the owner, trainer, and breeder. Can you tell me a little bit about what that journey was like with this filly? Oh, it was incredible. I mean, she she's just so fast and so talented and so game. She, I just, I always had so much faith in her. When she won the very one at Pimlico, she didn't have anything go her way. She was so mm-hmm. trapped and so stuck the whole way. I, I, I'd come into the race thinking, I don't see how a horse on earth can beat this filly. And halfway through the race, and I'm like, and she's going to be fifth. <laughs> but somehow she fought her way through and got there by a whisker. But that's just kind of who she is. She really is a fighter. You mentioned going into the Breeders' Cup, the difference in the way that she looked. And I've had the privilege to, to cover quite a few of her races over the years. And she does seem to be one that kind of wears it on her sleeve when she's doing well, when she's, when she's going to run well. Can you tell me a little bit about that and then what it's like you know, keeping weight on her, keeping her going in the right direction. And obviously the trainers that have had her since you have done a good job with that as well. But it seems like before the races with Caravelle, you can tell how she's doing. Oh, for sure. I mean, she, she, like all of her siblings out of ZZ Zoom Zoom, she's very intelligent and very sensitive. And she, she's, she, with me, she was always, so well behaved at the races just great I mean just so classy and little girl Maddie Rowland used to run her and she just was 
just the nicest horse to be around at the races you could ever, you know, ever be around. And when it's not going well, she's pretty fretful and starts kicking and worrying. And I had not seen that in her till after she left me. And I was, you know, sort of surprised to see that completely stressed outside of her. So, you know, it's, it's so rewarding to have her continue on and circle back to how she used to be and just really confident and, and happy with, with everything. And I think Brad is just, you know, it's maybe taking a little bit of time, but he's really figured her out mm -hmm. and he seems to treat every horse as an individual, not just a number in a, in a process that works for some. And she left a picture going into the Breeders' Cup. And she's, uh, as I mentioned at the top, she's a Pennsylvania bred. How exciting was that for you to see a Pennsylvania bred winning a Breeders' Cup race? As we've really seen these state bred programs grow and of course the importance to their communities, whether it's Pennsylvania, Maryland, New York, and, and really highlighting those other programs. Yeah, I mean, the Pennsylvania bred program is a great program. Mm -hmm. I mean, the... But I'm on the board and the, our board is, is put together with of a lot of really nice, intelligent people that are trying hard, work together, quite a few very small breeders that are very passionate about what they do. And, you know, obviously Pennsylvania is home, so it's mm -hmm. nice to have a strong breeding program where you live. So that you can, I mean, I think such a huge part of breeding a horse is taking care of them from day one. Mm -hmm. I'm the raising of the babies to me is like one of the most important things I do and bringing them along. So it's great to, to be in our state and have such a strong program behind us. With that Pennsylvania bred program, you mentioned some of the purses, some of the incentives, how important are those programs for the horsemen to have the opportunity to run for purses like that with, with a horse that was bred in Pennsylvania, for instance? Yeah, I mean, it's, it's very, very helpful. I mean, Caraval's younger brother, Witty, won a $200,000 two-year-old stake restricted to Pennsylvania. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's a, yeah. that's a huge opportunity that, um, you only get with these state bred programs, but obviously whatever state you, your horse is born in, you have some sort of, probably some sort of a incentive program. It's just that, you know, the Pennsylvania one's very strong um, with its incentives. I know breeding has been a big part of your family for a long time too. How important is the breeding side too? Because of course you're, you're a trainer as well. Um, I mean, I've, I've always loved the breeding. I started, you know, breeding. The first mare I bred was one that my father was culling out of his band of mares. And, and um, it was the first foal was a stakes winner that I bred. So that was kind of got me hooked right away. And the way my house is, the mares and foals are in a field right in front of my house. Mm -hmm. um, so it's just like, it's a part of everything. I take care of them day in and day out every single day, but I also get to enjoy them. It's like part of the scenery is the mares and babies right there in front of the house. 
Do you think that that association and attachment to them right from the beginning through that breeding side, that it comes in stronger when you're training these horses too, because you've really seen them truly from the beginning? Oh, I think that's so helpful because, yeah, you know everything about them. And also, you know, it's so a big part of making these mares is looking after the first foal. So many, so many really nice babies go to the sale and they just go to some trainer who who just wants to get the most out of them early or the owner's putting pressure on the trainer to hurry, 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 get to the races. So I don't spend too much on on training fees before they run and all. And when I've raised them and bred them and owned them, I'm just going to continue to listen to them and be mm -hmm. patient. And I have no one pushing me and mm -hmm. no reason not to be doing the right thing by them all the way through. Horse racing at any level, any part of it really is a very humbling game. But I think the breeding side of it in particular has a lot of the ups and downs and, and definitely you're learning every day. What are some of the biggest lessons that you've taken away from being a breeder? Um, I, my daughter Liza tells me I'm a terrible seller. <laughs> <laughs> I have a very hard time parting with horses. So I think probably culling horses is a, is something that I'm not very good at. <laughs> um, and I just, you know, I've had some success with some fairly mediocre horses too, because my patience is sort of relentless for that reason. <clears throat> and I think I would be a lot wealthier if I was better at parting. <laughs> <laughs> Um, Eliza, of course, involved in the sales part of the industry with, uh, with Wanamakers and making the decision to sell Caravel. Can you tell me a little bit about that as, um, at first Bobby Flay bought in and then she went through the sale again and, and, uh, is with Qatar now, but can you tell me a little bit about that decision? I'm sure it wasn't an easy one. No. And at the time, I, um, it wasn't a decision that I was willing to talk about mm -hmm. because people kept asking me like, why, why are you selling her? Why are you selling her? But at that time, I had just gotten a pretty bad breast cancer diagnosis. Mm -hmm. And I, um, I knew from my treatment schedule that I was not going to be able to keep training her the way I was doing um, mm -hmm. or at all. I was going to have to hand her over to somebody and so I I at the time truly felt that she was breeder's cup material mm -hmm. and I just I thought that she was just the talent there was completely bottomless and so I knew that you know Graham was in the next barn and he had been very successful at the Breeders' Cup and taken a lot of horses there and knew the drill. And I, you know, spoke to him about selling her part of her and handing her over to him. He was one of the first and few people that knew sort of the situation and what I was going through. And that's when he brought on um, Bobby Flay 
Brad Weisberg got involved and, and they set up a deal and I sold the majority interest in her. And I kind of had expectations that they would sort of keep going the way I was training her and how she was going. And, you know, it, he's a, a big trainer and a big outfit and, and it just, it just didn't quite play out that way. Um, and so, you know, then they decided to sell her and she went through the night of the stars. I actually lined up another partner to partner with, with me that I could get her back and kind of try to regroup her a little bit. And we were outbid by the current ownership partnership. So that's kind of the trajectory of why I decided to sell her and, and how that all played out. And then seeing her in the Breeders' Cup this year, maybe a year later than I think a lot of us, you know, really expected a lot from her last year, but it had to be really rewarding to see her successful on that big stage and that your intuition really was spot on about her. Yeah, I mean, that was just amazing. And mm -hmm. I just remember last year at the Night of the Stars sale, thinking the whole way through, I was very, very sick then and mm -hmm. very low. And just being so excited that she was not going to be retired and bred because I just was like, this filly has so much more to prove. I can't believe that it's stopping here. Yeah. And for her to come around the way she did this year with Brad and win the Breeders' Cup was so exciting because like you say, it, it, was, it was the reality of what I thought was there. And and the fact that she's going to train next year, I think she's only getting stronger and better and faster. So, I mean, she ran 107 buyer figure in the Breeders' Cup. How many fillies do that? It's just <clears> amazing. And, and she put on such a good show. And yeah, we saw her go through the Keeneland sale after the Breeders' Cup. Um, any new plans for ZZ Zoom Zoom, her, her dam? <laughs> yeah. Well, um, it's funny. I thought like after the Breeders' Cup, I was like, yeah, uh, I should sell her at <laughs> <laughs> the time. <laughs> but um, a part of me was sort of like, you know, I promised to give this filly a good home. Mm -hmm. I'm sure that one with anybody at this point, but maybe I owe it to her to keep her or who knows. But it was weird. Like you expect in this industry people to call you and and try to buy her not one person called to try really to buy not one person wow. that was that was funny um Sheikh Fahad you know made mention a few mm -hmm. times I think I need ZZ Zoom Zoom <laughs> in a joking way but nobody picked up the phone and called me and said hey what what would you take for this mayor um Liza and I have discussed a little bit put doing a one horse auction on Wanamakers mm -hmm. Um, she's not in full this year. I'd given her a year off because she had six in a row. Um, and she's only 10. Car you know, Caravelle was her first foal. Yeah. And um, I just, her foal this year was born in May. And I just decided to give her a break for a year, come back early in the spring and breed her in Kentucky. And I'm thinking that she's going to go to Justify. 
Oh, very exciting. Well, yeah. that'll be exciting to follow. Um, Lizzie, it, it's such an amazing story. Um, couldn't be happier for you and your family with the success this year and um, wishing you all the best with the, the next big venture. Thank you so much for taking the time today. Thank you so much, Keisha. It's been a pleasure. And that'll do it for another episode of In the Ring with Acacia Clement. A huge thank you to Tony Lacey and to Lizzie Merriman um, for taking the time and joining me on this week's episode. As always, any interesting stories, please pass them along. Let me know. Feel free to share this episode with anyone you think might enjoy it. And um, be sure to head over to In the Money Media. Sign up for the newsletter. Check out all the great content from my colleagues going on over there. I'll see you next time on In the Ring and looking forward to marching on as we've made it just about halfway through November. Cold temperatures are coming in. There's a lot more great racing and sales action to come and a lot more stories to talk about on In the Ring.